Revelation chapter 1, 18, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is risen. Amen. Amen. Well, as I, as I prepared for today, I, I thought about going the... Uh, the, the standard route, as, as we usually do with, a, uh, with an Easter, Easter message and taking you to that garden tomb, I thought about uh, talking about the suffering of Jesus, all those things that we, that we so often talk about. And, and we may still go there, but I wanted, to, I wanted to go today directly, straight to a risen Savior. That's, that's what we're celebrating about. And, and so I want to go straight to a risen Savior. So I, I chose this verse. Uh, this verse has spoken to me over and over throughout my experience with Jesus. And, and I, I thought about how wonderful it is to, 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 to know that Jesus is alive and that he is, he is living today and that not only is, he, not only is he alive, but he cares for us, he loves us, and he, he can live inside us, he can live in us. And when I think about, when I think about this, I, I, I think about a lot of things. But I want to I just take us to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18 and talk about that for just a moment. Several things I want to share, but the name of my message this morning is Forevermore. You'll see that it's a part of this, uh, part of this scripture. I am he who, was, who lives, who was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. I have the keys of death and hell. Praise God. When, when we're looking at, at this scripture, uh, I'm, I'm, I want us to consider where this was written, who wrote it, what, what was being thought, what was being said. Let's kind of put this in context. This was written by, by John, the apostle. He was, uh, he was one of the disciples of Jesus. This was probably 60 years or so after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By this time, John is an old man. He's... Uh, he has, not, he has not forsaken his Lord. He has not denied the message. He has, he has spoken of the good things of Jesus Christ for probably about 60 years. And then he is, uh, most of his, his other, at this time, all of his other uh, friends who were disciples, who were apostles with him, they have all been, they've all been martyred. And, and here he is, here he is, uh, the last survivor and he is exiled to an island called Patmos. He's exiled there. Uh, I looked up the Isle of, of Patmos, and, and I found that this was a, it, it was a, a, a sterile island. There, there's not life. There's hardly any life there whatsoever. And they, they exiled people there who were considered uh, the, 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 Roman, the Roman government, exiled people there who were considered a threat to their way of life, someone often who who was uh, who was exiled there was someone who uh, who was into sorcery or foretelling of events. So it stands to reason that they they had exiled 
John there, not because he was a sorcerer, not because he was into magic or black magic, any of those things, but because God was, uh, was speaking to him. He was one who heard the voice of God. And while he was exiled in this place that supposedly was a place of exile for those who could hear and foretell future events, he writes one of the greatest books on the future of the world that we have ever known. I think that's pretty amazing. It, it's it's kind of, there's a stark contrast in what they tried to stop and what God planned. In that solitude, the Lord spoke to him and gave us great things. The Word of God tells us in the book of Revelation that those who read it and those who hear it would have a blessing just from the reading and just from the hearing. So this little scripture that that I've read to you this morning carries more than just the power behind the words, but it also carries a blessing with it. So may you be blessed by the Word of God this morning. Amen. Jesus, Jesus made a claim. Jesus made a claim here. When He's speaking to John, He makes a claim. He says, I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I am he who lives and was dead. And, and behold means to look. Look, I'm alive forevermore. I think when, when the Lord was saying to John, look. I think he was drawing the attention of, of the Apostle John to himself. And he was saying, look at me. You knew me. You walked with me. You know me. You know who I am. Look, look at me. I walked with you for three and a half years and, and you know me. You were the one. John was the one who, who, who was the closest to the Lord actually. When, when Jesus would, would sit down to, to a meal, sometimes John would lean over the, the way they, they sat. Their custom in, in the, the, the East at that time was that they would sit around the table in a reclining manner and, and John would, would get so close that sometimes he would lay his head on the breast of the Master. Can you imagine hearing the heartbeat of God? And Jesus says to him, look, I am alive forevermore. Sixty years approximately later, you're an old man. You've stood for the gospel. But look, I am alive. I am glorious. When, when John saw him, he wasn't, he wasn't looking at an, an old, feeble Jesus. He was looking at the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wasn't looking at someone whose time was done because he was old. He was looking into heavens and see, in the heavens and seeing a glorious risen Savior, more glory even than he had had when he saw him here on earth after his resurrection. And he says, look, I'm alive forevermore. When, when we look at what Jesus was claiming here, he said, I am he who lives. This may or may not be a reference to the name that God gave Moses to tell the people of Israel. When, when Moses was, was about to go and, 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 and bring the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, he asked God for a name that he could tell them who he came for. And, and the Lord said, I am that I am. And here we see, we see that Jesus says, I am the living one. I am that I am means I am because I am. I am, I am the all-sufficient one. I am the source. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the first, the last. I am just because I am. No one created me. I don't have a beginning and I don't have an end. I am the living one. And Jesus says, I am the living one. He's the one who just is. I remember that drove me crazy when I was a kid. Am I the only one that ever wondered, 
who created God. Come on, am I the only one to be honest? Who created, some of you might still be wondering that. He is who He is. He just is because He is. We can't understand it. Our frail minds don't seem to be able to comprehend it. We don't understand how He is, but He is. And, and there, there, there was no beginning. There is no end. He's the first and He's the last. There, there's, no, there's, there's no creation of God because He is the Creator. He has no beginning. He has no need of sustaining. No one, we don't, he, don't, he doesn't have to be sustained as we do, and, and He has no ending. He's the source of everything. Then Jesus here says, I was dead... And now I live. He said, I I was dead. He states the fact, to be sure, I believe, one reason was so that John would know for sure and so that we, in the future now, would know for sure that this is the same Jesus. How many of you remember the story of the day that Jesus rose from the tomb and the two women ran and they, they saw an angel. We, we just saw a demonstration of that. They, they saw an angel and, and the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? This same Jesus... Who, you, who you've seen, this was, this was later, after 500 more had seen him, the angels again spoke, said, this same Jesus who you have seen go away will come again in like manner. So we see that the same Jesus who, who was raised from the dead, the same Jesus who 500 more than 500 witnesses had seen, the same Jesus who ascended into heaven now is standing there in heaven in his glory. He's speaking to John and he says, I was dead. He's saying, I want you to know this is, this is really me. I was dead. You saw me alive. Here I am also in my glory. That same Jesus who suffered unbelievable torment on your behalf, on my behalf, suffered at the hands of, of angry, cruel, sinful men, just like me and just like you, That same Jesus whose cold, dead body was placed in a tomb and sealed shut and anointed with spices. That same Jesus who appeared after he had been dead at that tomb and and, and was seen. That same Jesus is standing before John and he says, I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Look, I'm alive forevermore. Jesus not only declares that he is alive, but he is saying here, I am alive forevermore. This statement just just totally amazes us. First of all, that Jesus was dead and that he is alive is is, is beyond our, our understanding. I have been to the point of death. You all know, most of you know the story. I was stung, had allergic reaction, and and was to the point of death. I remember closing my eyes, knowing that I was dying. I remember the peace of God that passes all understanding. I remember those things. I remember as, as the darkness closed in, and I remember knowing that it was okay because I belonged to a risen Savior. But I didn't go to the other side. I wasn't gone three days. I was gone about four minutes But Jesus was dead. There was was no question about it. And he was buried. He was placed in that tomb and they rolled a stone and they sealed it. But he arose. And he not only says, I was dead, but he said, and I am alive, but he said, "I, I am alive forevermore. Now, to be able to say that you're alive after you've been dead is amazing. 
But to be able to say that I'm alive forevermore takes it a step further. Lazarus was in the tomb. Lazarus was dead. He was dead for four days. And, and, and his sisters said, surely by now he stinks. But Jesus spoke Lazarus' name. Tracy already mentioned it. Jesus is not just, he's not just a story of, of a resurrection that happened all those years ago. Jesus said to Mary, the brother or the sister of, of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection, the truth and the life. He is the resurrection. But we, we can imagine what Lazarus must have had to say about it. I was dead and now I'm alive. But he couldn't say, I'm alive forevermore. But Jesus makes this statement here in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I was dead and I am, look, I am alive forevermore. This tells me something special that I need to understand. There was a victory won that day that totally upset the laws of nature. There was a victory won in that tomb over death. I've already mentioned it as we opened the service, but at the beginning of time, death wasn't in this world, but sin brought forth death. And all of us have sinned, so all of us are destined to die. And throughout history, since Adam, since the very first man, every one of us have sinned and every one of us have died until finally this man comes on the scene and he's not just a normal man. He is man and he is God. And he lives his life with no sin whatsoever. And he dies, the soul that sins will surely die, he dies taking my sin upon him. The Word of God says He became sin that knew no sin so that I might become the righteousness of God. He didn't die for His own sin. He died for my sin. But because He had never sinned, and you've heard me say this before, because He had never sinned, death had no claim on Him. Do you get that? The soul that sins will surely die. Death had been considered permanent and life had been considered temporary. But Jesus, that day, about 2,000 years ago, he changed everything. He showed us that death was the temporary thing and that life is eternal in him. And that day, he was one who had had no sin, the only one who had had no sin. And he got up that day, he broke the chains of death, he broke the chains of hell, and he delivered himself from that pit. And he came alive again on my behalf. And because of his resurrection, death has no hold on me anymore. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? I, I tell you, we, we, are, we are free from the sting of death if we have Jesus Christ. You say, well, we still die. Yes, we do. We still die because we live in a fallen world. But let me tell you this. I had a pastor that used to say, it this way, if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. That second, that second death is the one to be feared. That second death, if you, if you die this physical death, there's still life beyond that. But the second death, what the Bible calls the second death, that's, that's finding ourselves in the pit of hell. There's no return from that. But Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy. 
And he gained my freedom. Jesus' victory over death is the proof that backs up all of the amazing claims. Not that he gives just here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. But it also backs up all those other claims that he made when he said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He backs that up by getting up from death. That means nobody else can get me to heaven. I can't do it by my own good works. I can't do it by believing in some other religion. I can't do it by any other way. Only Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he has proven that because he said, I will rise again. And he was placed in that tomb and he conquered death. This proves to me Everything he said he would do, he can do and he will do. Jesus also said, I am the resurrection. I've told you that. That's in John chapter 11 verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. How many of you want to live even though this body may die? We probably all do. The only way to do that is Jesus Christ. And now here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, he claims, I am the living one. I was dead and now look or behold, I am alive forevermore. And then Jesus makes another claim. He says, and I've talked a little bit about it already, but he says, because he defeated death, he says, I hold the keys, I have the keys of, of death and of hell or of Hades and of death. Hades is, is basically, it, it was the Greek word, I believe it was the Greek word for uh, the place of the, the abode of the dead. That's, that's the terminology they used, Hades. It, it was even later, perhaps by this time, it was, it was considered, Hades was considered the god of the underworld. Hades was considered the place that the dead people went and, and they were trapped there. But Jesus said, I have the keys of death and of Hades. I can unlock the place that is the abode of those who are already gone. I want us to consider something. I'll come back to all that. Hopefully, I'll, I'll make this all clear to you. But I want us to consider something. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 16 through 28. I'm going to read that. I know that probably most of you don't read from a New Living Translation. You can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like, mark it. But listen closely to what the New Living Translation says because I want you to understand this is powerful. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16 says, Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirements of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. Can you say amen? He became a priest by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed, out, pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope. Say that with me. Confidence in a better hope. Amen. Now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. 
There's a, there's a scripture that we read in, in our study on Wednesday night just recently that the Bible tells us that the old covenant was based on, on, on lesser promises, that the new covenant is based on better promises. And, and this, this refers to that oath. This new covenant, this new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, Here's the oath. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. That's verse 22. Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Verse 25, therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless and untainted by sin. He has been set apart from sinners. He has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other priests, he does does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed His Son with an oath. And His Son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Amen. Can you say forevermore? Forevermore. I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen means so be it. Amen. And I have the keys of death and of hell. This high priest that we have, This high priest who has ascended into the heavens and is making intercession for us is never going to get old. He is never going to die. He's already faced death. He's already defeated death. He's already risen from death. He'll never die again. He's alive forevermore. And he stands there on my behalf and he holds the keys of death and of hell. And death can put its claim on me and it can drag me into the grave. But my Jesus has the keys and he will unlock it and I will come out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus intercedes. He mediates. He negotiates this new covenant on our behalf before the Father. Those that have their full faith in Him, those who have their full faith in Him are covered by His blood. His blood, the atonement for our sins, has been applied to us who have placed our full faith in Him. I know that we don't know a lot about covenants in this society. And I'm not going to go into great details, but I want us to understand a covenant always had a sacrifice and a sign in the Bible. There was always a sacrifice and there was always a sign. In this new covenant, Jesus' death was the sacrifice to seal the covenant between us and God. 
In the Old Covenant, there, was the, there were the continual sacrifices of the blood of goats and, and, of, and of bulls and, and of, of lambs and sheep. And, and, and it was continual. But Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. And it seals the covenant between God and man. Jesus' resurrection, I believe, was the enduring sign of this covenant. It confirmed His covenant with us. His, his resurrection, His being alive is, is a, a spectacular sign that is eternal. He is alive forevermore. And if His sign is eternal, then His covenant with man, who will believe on Him, is eternal. And what God has, has allowed us to see is that He does not want us to be trapped by death that's caused by sin, but we can be free in Jesus Christ and we can know Him and we can live forever in His presence if our faith and if our hope is on the risen Savior, the only way, the truth, the life, the only one who's conquered death. Jesus satisfied God's wrath against your sin. I want to think about that for just a minute. Jesus satisfied God's wrath against my sin. Say that with me. Jesus satisfied God's wrath against my sin. I want you to consider that. What does that mean? The Bible says, and I've already quoted it, but the Bible says Jesus told Adam and Eve. He said, the soul that sins will surely die. In that day that you eat of this fruit, your soul will you'll die. The soul that sins will surely die. The Word of God tells us another way. It says that all, another thing, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we find out that every one of us has fallen into a lack of relationship with God because of our own sin, not just the sin of Adam, but also our own sin. And we're guilty. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I cannot be saved by by doing good works or by believing on on someone else in some other religion. Jesus is the only one given. He's the only name. This name, Jesus, is the only name whereby men must be saved. There's no hope in any other. And Jesus' death satisfied the wrath of God. The wrath of God will will be revealed upon those who are who are unbelievers. The wrath of God will be revealed upon this world. The wrath of God includes things like an eternal hell. That's what the wrath of God looks like. And hell wasn't created for us. Heaven was created for us. But those of us who will not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have sided with rebels. That's the devil and his angels. And hell was created for the devil and his angels. Hell was created for rebels. But Jesus Christ came and he has the keys of death and of hell. And if we believe on him, if we will believe on Jesus Christ, then the anger of God, the wrath of God is turned aside from us and it's all placed on Jesus Christ. We might have failed to to understand that. Christian, perhaps you failed to understand that. The wrath of God that was on you for your sin has been placed on Jesus Christ and He took it all to Calvary. I don't know why you're not shouting. The wrath of God, which would destroy us and consume us by His great anger, but for His mercy, but the wrath of God, which was meant for those who are rebels was placed on Jesus Christ who had never sinned because God had mercy on me and God had mercy on you. The wrath of God 
was placed on Jesus Christ. Jesus' death satisfied God's wrath against sin for those who have their faith in Jesus Christ. And likewise, Jesus' resurrection acquired life, even eternal life, for us who were destined for death, but now are in Christ Jesus. Amen? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the resurrection. If I'm in Him, I will have the the right way to God. If I'm in Him, I will know the truth and the truth will set me free. If I'm in Him, I'll have life inside of me that will not allow me to stay in that grave through eternity. If I have my hope and my faith in Jesus Christ, then I too will get up out of that grave. His resurrection, His resurrection paid the way for me also to get up out of the grave. Praise you, Lord. I want to share just a few more things. Jesus has the keys. And because He lives forever, and because my faith in Him, I will also live forever. How many of you have your faith in Jesus? You, you know Him as your Savior and your Lord. If, if you're here this morning and you, you cannot raise your hand for whatever reason, maybe your faith has been weak, your faith has not been in Him, maybe you just don't know where you stand, maybe you've been in this place of, of, of unsteadiness and you, you walked with Him for a while, but you're not sure if you even know Him. Whatever the place you find yourself, maybe you have been the dirtiest, darkest sinner that this world has ever seen. I'm here to tell you that the wrath of God that is meant for you because of sin in your life will be cast on Jesus if you will believe on Jesus as your Savior. For God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Jesus proved his claims at the resurrection. I want to ask you right now, if you'll stand to your feet, do you believe the claims of Jesus? Do you believe that where he said in Revelation 1.18, do you believe he said, I am he who lives and was dead and behold am alive forevermore? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has the keys of death and of hell 